New Hope Outreach Ministries, making a difference by taking the gospel from word to action. And now, today's message. For all you guys that are here today, and so our candidate for baptism is running a little late, but they they're going to be here. They're going to show up. Amen. Um, we're going to baptize somebody today. I don't know who, but so uh, so y'all need to pray that they show up because somebody needs to get ready for baptism. We got the cameraman here. We got to take some pictures of somebody being baptized. He didn't come all the way here for nothing. So somebody got to perpetrate or something, whatever. We throw some water on you or something or whatever. So, but anyway. But they, they're coming, they're on the way, so we just thank God for, for the ones that are coming there. Thank God did, uh, for you. Amen? Um, the word this week, for this week, I think is going to be boldness. Amen? Walking in boldness, standing in boldness, because this is something we need to do as a person to be able to walk and stand in boldness or whatever. There's a lot of things going on around us or whatever. A lot of things we see that are not correct and not right. But unless we're bold to speak about it and stand up for it, it's not going to change by the grace of God. Um, Sometimes it's tough to, to stand up for what you know is right. But, you know, but, but in, in the meantime, if the Holy Spirit is telling you to do it, you will probably want to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And don't take a back seat. For several weeks, we've been sharing with you about God's promises. Amen. And this morning, we want to talk to you and be speaking to you about um, God promised to be with you. Promised to be with you. We're going to share some things with you this morning about um, God promised to be with you. And this is something that is so important. When you're going through situations in your life, a lot of times people are committing suicide every day. Are feeling because they're feeling alone. That no one's with them. No one cares for them. That nobody's thinking about them or whatever. They've been abandoned or whatever. You know, the loved ones abandoned them, you know. Um, a lot of people even think God has abandoned them based on what they've been told and heard about God, in other words. And, you know, it's just, it's just amazing how people feel. And that's what caused people to get commit suicide because they feel hopeless. They feel like there is no, no way out. They have come to the end of their journey. They become hopeless. And when they feel that way, whatever, and, you know, they're not thinking about how much God loved them, what he went through for them. But when you get to that point, and you can't see the end of the tunnel, you know, can you see light in the end of the tunnel, um, people can get to that point where that's why people commit suicide every day. But we thank God that God is always with us, amen, will always be with us. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, I shared this scripture with you last week. Let us stand. We're going to share it again today because I think these are scriptures we're going to share with you about God promises because when you're going through situations and dealing with stuff, you need to know what God has promised you. And when you're not feeling well or whatever, you're not going to always feel like going and getting the Bible and looking for these promises. That's why it's good to know them ahead of time. So uh, write them down somewhere so when you're going through stuff, you don't have to go through all these pages and tablets and whatever to look for God's promises. You know God's promises, amen? And that's why it's so important is to know God's promises, amen? It said, these two things cannot change. God cannot lie when he makes a promise. He cannot lie when he makes an oath. Now, these things will never change. They will never change. If God said something, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. If God didn't say it, you don't have to worry about it. It's not going to come to pass. 
But if God said, guess what? This is what he's saying here. These two things cannot and will not never change. He said, God cannot lie when he make a promise. He cannot lie when he make an oath. These things encourage us who have came, who came to God for safety. In other words, if you're coming to God and thinking that, well, I know for a fact if I get to God, he's going to take care of me, all the one thing. This is your safety net because he will take care of you by the grace of God. He will cover you by the grace of God. Um, all this other stuff that we run around trying to think they'll cover us will not cover. But God, if God said he's going to he cover you, he's going to cover you. He said they give us strength to hold on to the hope that we have been given us, been given. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for what you're going to say and the things you're going to do and the things you're teaching us. Because, Father, we need to know that you're with us. And we need to know, Father, that you never leave us, nor will you forsake us, that you're with us always, even until the end of the world. And we, we honor you and we bless you for this. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said, Amen. You may be seated. Now, what does, God, what does, what does it look like when the Bible says God is with us? This morning we want you to go over to the book of Joel, this morning the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, I believe it is, one of the minor prophets. Um, we're not going to go through all this good, the entire chapter, but chapter 2 was going to cover some things that we want to cover this morning about God's with you. Um, it's so important to know that God is with you. Amen. I know we think our 357 and 38 and 30... And three eighties and all that stuff is with us. When, when I when I'm naming all this stuff, I'm these are guns or whatever, or whatever. But at the same time, um, nothing like being able to have God with you, Amen. Because um, you can have that three eighty, you can have that three fifty seven. That thing can snap. That thing can click. But God will never click. God always there. And if you put God first, you don't have to worry about these things, whatever. And God is with you always, whatever. And most of the time, people don't realize the, how, how, the, how sin can impact not only your life, but impact everything around you, unfortunately. In the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, let me get there right quick. Joel chapter 2. Um, Joel here is talking to the to the nation Israel. Now they just just coming out of um, coming out of the Babylonian captivity. They've been there for for several years, and, and the reason they got there because of disobeying God, not following God's instruction. And what happens is God will give you warnings after warnings after warnings, but eventually warnings will run out. And to the point where you have to deal with your consequences or whatever. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, before destruction comes, there's always comes what? Warning. Warning always comes. And people say, you know, you heard people say, some told me this, some told me that. That's God is talking to you. That's the, not just some. That's the Holy Spirit telling you what you need to do. Just like um, a lot of people don't realize, he always warns you. And many times, if people that have that are stepped off into eternity, if they could come back and tell you how many times God warned them before they end up in the situation they ended up in, it'd be counted. The same thing with people that are going to being incarcerated. God warns you constantly. Just like I remember that day before I got incarcerated back years ago when I was back in high school or whatever. 
Dad told me, he said, now, son, you need to, you need to go to drop my um, suit off at the cleaner, and, which I did do, but I didn't do all of it. So they were having some stuff going on at school that day, and I should not have been there. And so, but anyway, so I was going to go by the school and hang out with my friends a while, and then once I do that, I was going to head home. But to make a long story short, what little did I know, I went there, and all of a sudden I heard all these shackles or whatever. When I went around this corner, it looked like about 300, 400 highway state patrolmen was in ride gear. And there John was, okay? Helpless, defenseless. And guess what? Guess what they did? They didn't say, well, well, son, you need to go home now. No, son, you're going with us. And they took me and they threw me in jail. And I stayed in there for 31 hours and 25 minutes. But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I ain't never in Jesus' name going back there no more. Are you listening to me? It was a good lesson I learned, but listen to me. Before destruction comes, what comes? One always comes. And see what happens here, when, when sin begins to manifest itself in a home and in a nation, it not only affects the people, but it affects everything. Remember in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, he said, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, and God said he will forgive their sin and heal the land. So not only sin affects just the individual, but it affects everything around you as well, even affect the impact of the land as well. Then over in the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, and begin to look at verse, um, I believe, verse 20. Let's go down to verse 20, 21. He said, Fear not, O land, and be, uh, and say, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord would do great things. Then verse 22, he said, be not afraid. He said, you be set the field, for the pastures in the wilderness do spring. In other words, not only did the, did the um, situation affect the people, but it even affected the farms and everything. And many of you probably may, may not remember this, but, um, but back years ago, food was much better than it is today. Even taste better. I remember times when Mama would get a um, get one or two lemons and squeeze it and, and make a fresh lemonade. Man, I'm telling you, there was nothing like it. Food, everything tasted different. Why? Because people was was not involved into sin like they are now, and because of the sin has affected not only the the, the world, but it affected the food chain and everything. Everything, even the land or whatever, the land. Even the land today, you know, Alabama is the only place I've known that when you have greens, what we call bitter greens. You ever you heard of bitter greens? And most of the people here in Alabama, that's considered to be the norm to have bitter greens. But, you know, you can get rid of the bitter taste by washing them several times, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But back in the Carolina, there's no such thing as bitter greens. Greens is just greens. In other words, there's no bitterness in them. But it, because of the soil, coming to find this, years ago, I thought it had something to do with the seed. It's not the seed. It's the soil in which it's grow, that, that grows up in. Everything's affected when it comes to sin. Not only did the sin did the, did the sin affected the people, but it infected the pastures and everything. Everything was inhabitable, inhabitable to live. Even there was no grain and no no grass for the cows or nothing or whatever. And God was telling the people, said, don't be afraid, but it's now time to rejoice. Why was it time to rejoice? Because God was getting ready, was in the process 
I'll get ready to restore. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, if you will. He said, don't be afraid, be courageous. Do not panic before them. And this is something that we need to know, um, recognize, you know, when you're out doing things and all this stuff, you hear all this crazy stuff on TV, when the media or whatever, telling you all this stuff that's going to happen, and all this good stuff, whatever. It can send you into panic and shock if you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you. But that's why you need, can't get ready. That's why you got to know God for yourself by the grace of God. Amen. That's why it's important for you to know God. So therefore, you're not ready to get out and take a knife and get ready to cut your wrist and whatever, commit Harry Carey or whatever, and think there's, there's no hope or whatever situation. Remember what I told you last Sunday. Your source is God. Everything else is your resource. Your, your job is your resource. That's not your source. God is your source. God is the one that provides you the money, give you the strength, and give you the ability to go out there and make that money that you're making by the grace of God. And people are looking to, to the bosses and all these people as their source. But that's not your source. That's your resource. You got to remember that. And see, these things, why is this stuff important? You need to know that because you don't get so caught up in thinking and say, well, I got to depend on this. Because if that job leaves today, guess what? You can go out and get you another job tomorrow. Because God is your source. And you got to remember that. When you, when you begin to put things first thing first, things can make a lot of sense to you by the grace of God. And I always look to, to, to things or whatever, and things as your source, as your resource. But God is your source. Amen. God is the one providing. God is the one that providing them money, providing them the, providing them the, the ability to create a job for you. Amen. He the one that give them the money so they can pay you. God is the one that's doing that. And sometimes people can get, get sort of like overwhelmed to the point where they think they're in charge. And same thing sometimes when it comes to the medical profession and people's in position or whatever, they call themselves God. We call the shot. You know, even like right now, years ago, meteorologists, one of the such things, meteorologists we have today, People had to look at the sun. They had to look at read the almanacs and all that other stuff. They had to learn how to depend upon God. Now we can have the guy come up on the, on the, on the weather forecast and tell you what's going to happen five days from now. We couldn't do that years ago. We had to learn how to depend upon and trust God. And so what happens is all these things are good. Don't get me wrong. But they have caused many of us to turn away from God and start looking at the resource and stop looking at the source. God is the one that controls the weather by the grace of God. God can change things. That's why when storms come and whatever, people say, well, there's nothing you can do. That's not true. Bible said God has given man dominion over all things. Over all things. So when these storms come, you can say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over this. It will not happen on my watch in Jesus' name. But if you don't know that, you can't take that authority by the grace of God. Same thing when driving down. We're living in a time now when we drive on down the roads and whatever. We have to be cautious about because there are people on drugs everywhere. Drugs everywhere. And you don't know what that, what that person on, what they, got that, what they took that morning when they got, before they got in their car. But see, that's why you have to learn to say, God, protect me this day. Watch over me, God. 
and God will do what, he, what you ask him to do. That's why it's important that he tell you now not to be afraid. Why you shouldn't be afraid? Because guess what? He's going to be with it. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. Because God's going to take care of you by the grace of God. And long before all this stuff or whatever, guess what? Things have gotten pretty tough for many of us. But guess what? When it, when it got down to the where the rubber meet the road, God always came through for us. People say, well, doom and gloom. No, not doom and gloom for me. God's always going to take care of me. And because of that, sin affected everything. That's what's going on with the world today. It's sin in the world. All this pandemic and all this stuff that's going on is because of sin. And God had told us what we need to do to get rid of it. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, would turn from their wicked ways, he will forgive their sin and heal the land. Does the land need to be healed from, from this pandemic? Yes, it does. But what people are doing, they are becoming up with all this stuff when it comes to science. Listen to me. I'm not opposed to science. I think science is good. But you got to remember, God is above science. And we got to get back down to earth to remember who God really is. God is the creator of all this science stuff. And man is not going to destroy this world regardless of what they say or how much they say it. This world will never be destroyed by man. It's not going to happen. And the world, chicken litter, guess because they think the world is going to fall apart. It's not going to fall apart. And we trust God. God's going to take care of us by the grace of God. Amen? The only thing we got to do is continue to... to to take God, trust God. And when God began to restore things to you, and that's what he began to do to the children of Israel, once they came out of Babylonian captivity, God began to restore things. The word restore means to aruga. When, when God restored, he's always better than it was before. God don't replace. Look at your neighbor and say, God don't replace. The Bible says God restore. When God restore, what does that look like? What does restore look like? So I can get a visual, a visual of this. Think about the book of Job. Remember the book of Job? He lost everything he had. He was stripped of everything he had through destruction. But in the end, guess what? God replaced everything, restored everything he lost. And what restored means? It's always better than it was before. You replace something, it looked like you had, looked very similar to what you had. But when God restores, it's always better. When God restores your health, he don't just restore you where you was. He will always restore you better than what you was. That's restore. That's what restore. It's always better than what you had. That's why God is, that's why it's good to trust God, to be able to trust him because he can restore. When he began to restore the land, everything changed. When he restored the people, the land and everything changed. The cows had green pastures again. That was that even changed the weather. That during that particular time, there wasn't even no rain upon the grounds that the that were watered ground, so crops would grow, whatever. Everything changed because of sin. Look at where it is now in our world in which we live. People saying, "Well, this, that, and the other, blaming on the, uh, blaming on science and blaming on all this other stuff that's going on in the world." Guess what? All has to do with sin. If we stop, if we change the sin in America. By the grace of God, people stop sinning. And what is sin? Being missing the mark. People don't like that word. People hate that word sin. Missing the mark. God has a standard for all of us to live. And when we fall below that standard, we're not falling below 
I will stand, but we fall below God standing for it. Remember the scripture said in John 10, 10, I've came, what's my standard? That you might have life and have it more abundantly by the grace of God. That's God's standard. Now, we live way below that. That's not God's standard. That's our standard we've set for ourselves. If you live up to God's standard, you should be living in abundance. If you trust God and follow God's plan, you will live in abundance. You'll never have to worry about lack. David said, I've been once young, now I'm old. Guess what? Never have I seen a righteous forsaken, nor the seeds of begging bread. God always will take care of you by the grace of God. And because of this, the land was dry. The land was almost like it was parched. Couldn't no vegetation grow. There was no crop for the animals or whatever because of what had happened to the land. But when God began to restore, he restored not only the land, but he restored the rain that fell on the land so the grass could grow again by the grace of God. I think God wants to restore some things in America if we allow him to restore. Same thing, even, even, even if he don't do it for America, he can do it for our homes and us as a person. He can restore things. If you've given up on some things in your life about health or whatever, guess what? We're going to talk a little bit about that later down the road by the grace of God. Guess what? It can change. God can restore all that. He can change all that by the grace of God. I mean, the grains and there was no, there was no food. There was nothing for them to eat. Everything was there pretty much impoverished. It was in, poverty, in a poverty-stricken state. But God began to restore everything changed. It's amazing how life changes for you when you put God first in your life, really. When you start honoring God in your homes and put God first in your jobs or whatever, it's amazing to me. Because, you know, when I first got saved, I was in the military. You know, the military being is a pretty rugged place to get saved and all that, but all the things you'd be exposed to. But I'm telling you, God gave me the grace to be able to live by the grace of God a Christian life. And because of Suppose I was able to live a Christian life. God always blessed me. I was not exempt from none of the other stuff everybody ever done, but he always took care of me by the grace of God. And when I was in situation, guess what? I was never afraid because guess what? I knew God was what? Always with me. And that's what you got to remember. When you're dealing with your daily situation, guess what? I'm not alone, God, but you're always with me. Look in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 10. I'm going to share some this morning some, some promises of God that you need to hold on to, hold dear to you by the grace of God. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 10. Then he will fill your bonds with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. In other words, God said, guess what? I'm going to change the outcome of things for you by the grace of God. And you know, and for many of us, we should not be where we are today if the truth be known. We are where we are because by the grace of God, we are where we are. And that's why it's so, just think about if we just, just little we do for God and little we serve God, what if we just gave God more of what we're doing now, do more of what we're doing now, what would happen? We experience a whole lot more than what we experience. Look what we are experiencing by little we're doing right now for God and little we're giving to God. So what if God said, okay, well, if I just gave him more than what I'm giving now. What would, experience, what would I experience? You experience so much more than you're experiencing right now. And that's what God is telling us. Guess what? He said, there will be, he said, your bond will be filled. He said, then he will fill your bond with grain. In other words, during this particular time, there was no grain. There was no oil. There was nothing. They was totally destitute. But guess what? When God restored them, 
he filled everything that was empty. Because I can truly say, when I was growing up, man, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. I don't know if you guys ever been there, but I'm telling you, that's not a place you want to be. But I'm telling you, but God has restored us, has brought us from that place of a lack and brought us to the blessing. But it took, but the hardest thing about that was this, was changing my mind, mind renewal. Because it had been in my mind for so long, poverty, and being, to, being around people with poverty stricken for so long, it became a part of my life, whatever. But once I got my mind renewed about the blessings of God, everything began to change. And that's what hasn't happened to you. You've been in a situation, been around negative people all your life, many of you. But guess what? That negativity is there. And the only way you can get it out of your mind, you got to renew your mind. You got to update your thinking. Change your way of thinking by the grace of God. If you change your way of thinking, it'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you start doing things. And once that happens, guess what? Things start happening. When, when God's goodness began to display, guess what? The people change. Everything changed. Water began to flow. Things started having joy and peace began to ha start happening in their lives. Whatever. People can rejoice, began to rejoice. And, and I think once, once all that stuff began to happen, if God would bring God back into the picture, all this racism and all this stuff would go away. Unfortunately, it would go away. Because they ain't going to be in heaven. There ain't going to be no racism in heaven. So we got to get it straight here. If we can get it straight here before we can transition there. And people don't understand that, but they, they, they will understand. How can you love God whom you have not seen and hate the brother whom you have seen? It don't work. It does not work. And then he goes on down in verse 25. He talks about in the um, in book of Joel. He talks about the destruction of land. What took place in the land during the time. The worms and all that stuff, the locusts and everything, came and ate up everything. All what did not die, the insect came and destroyed the rest of it. So it made, basically left them nothing. So... So if anything was left for the, on the grounds as far as vegetation is concerned, the worms and the locusts and all that stuff came and just ate up everything, even, the, even to the point where it even ate the bark off of the trees. I mean, that's amazing. There was nothing left. They made sure that those people were going to be suffering. But guess what? But when God came and began to restore all that change, the, the, all the locusts were left and all that stuff began to change. And that's how you know changes in your life. When you look around and begin to see things changing in your life, changing things in your family, guess what? You know it has to be God. And God can do it. He can restore peace. Just because there's no peace, he can restore peace in your life by the grace of God. And he won't restore that peace. And he can restore that peace if you allow him to do it. And see, poverty really, in some cases, accepted. Shame and poverty is accepted in some states. But really, when you look in, in the Bible, when it talks about verse 26, he said, never again will my people be ashamed. What is he talking about never be ashamed? He's not talking about feeling people feeling inadequate or worthless. But it was a social state. In other words, their, their lack was an embarrassment to the kingdom of God. See, your poverty your, your sin and all that stuff, your sickness or whatever, is an embarrassment to the kingdom of God for, compared to what God has done for you. He, he never intended for you to be sick. 
God never intended for you to be sick. Because when he created Adam and Eve in the garden, there was no Walgreens. There were no CVSs. Am I wrong? If I, did I miss something? There were no pharmacists there. I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing pharmacists. I'm not bad-mouthing um, these other people. But guess what? It was on the herb. God prepared people in such a way they could live for a long time. And then to Adam and Eve decided to do what people did today, doing today, decided to sin and disobey God. And now we have to deal with the consequences of it. But these wild animals, the locusts and everything, stripped, stripped, the, stripped the land of everything. There was no vegetation. There was not even a box on the tree. And then, then as a result of that, they went into shame. And again, shame is not something God wants you to deal with. God don't want you to be embarrassed about anything. Amen. That's why the scripture is in the book of Hebrews chapter 4. He said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain grace and strength in the time of need. He never intended. He said, sneak to the throne. Tiptoe through the throne. He said, come boldly. In other words, you wish you have boldness. Why, why, how can we have boldness? When we know who he really is. When we understand. Because see, most of us have been told God is the type of God that's waiting to send you to hell. If you do something wrong, he's going to judge you and all the good stuff. Nothing could be further from the truth. God is not sitting there to judge you. You judge yourself by your disobedience to him, by not following doing what he tells you to do. He came that you may have life and have it more abundant. He didn't say he, he said a thief coming but to kill, steal, and to destroy. John 10, 10. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. God wants you to have a good life, amen? He don't want you to sin yet. What causes people to go to hell is not because of God. What causes people to go to hell because of their unwillingness to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He has given us his, Jesus Christ to accept him as our Lord and Savior as a sacrifice for our sin. And people don't even want to accept that. And because they don't want to accept that, Jesus said, if you don't want to be bothered with me, guess what? I'm not going to impose my will upon you. So that's your free will. Not to accept him. But if you accept Jesus, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, guess what? You can spend eternity in him. Spend eternity uh, with him by the grace of God. So, shame and poverty is not really what God wants you to experience. And when you do something wrong, do something wrong, guess what? The Bible says, in First John chapter, First John chapter one, verse nine, he said, "We confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." He didn't say run and hide. Remember when Adam and Eve did what they did? They the one that ran from God. God didn't run from them. God didn't. Adam and Eve did not go looking for God. God went looking for Adam and Eve in the garden. That's the story tell. Amen. So you're not looking for God. God is looking for you. He is there. He's always there and always will be there. Only thing we got to do by the grace of God is just call out to him. If we call out to him, guess what? He's always there by the grace of God. But see, shame and lack, what it did was it was an embarrassment to God. The drought that the people experienced was it hurt God. Not only hurt the people, but it hurt people, but it was also an embarrassment to God. And hurt God too. God did not want to see him in that condition. So what he did in return, so he he decided to restore. So he began to restore. Now he restored the land. He restored the things that the 
that had been taken from the land so they could begin, begin to enjoy life again. And God never intended for the people to experience the hardship. And the reason we experience the hard times we go through is not because of God, because we fail to listen to God. Because God is always talking to you, amen? When you woke up this morning, God was talking to you. Because you really didn't have to come to church today. Is that right? But God spoke to you and said, this is what, you came because you know for a fact this is what you need to do and what you should do by the grace of God. But it's the thing about, we work 40 hours a week, most of us, most of us. And then on Sunday morning, we can't give God just one hour, one hour of our time. It's amazing to me. But when we get in a situation, we always say, God help me, God help me, God help me. And God will help you because he's a very present help in time of trouble. But guess what? We don't want to have to wait and to call upon God to help us all the time. We don't want to be able to know that guess what, God, we won't make the right decision. So you don't always have to bail us out of our situation all the time. God's always there. Go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 17. God is good. This morning we want to share with you about God is with you. He promised to be with you. Not sometime, but all the time. God promised to be with you. He promised to be with you all the time. Then he goes on talking about those that will experience shame. Can you experience shame? Yes, you can. When you start trusting in the wrong and putting your emphasis in the wrong thing, looking to the wrong thing, it can bring embarrassment and bring shame. People are putting themselves a lot, putting a, putting a lot of time and effort into their career. Don't, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. But you gotta remember, when that career is over, what are you gonna do with life then? He told us that lay not your treasures upon the earth, that moth and thief can break through and steal, but lay your treasures up in heaven, that moth and thief cannot steal or corrupt. They can rob your bank, but they can't rob heaven. Just a few days ago, they robbed Region Bank and PNC Bank, but guess what? They can't rob heaven. <laughs> Robbers can't do that. Amen? So that's why he's telling them, guess what? Invest your time, invest your energy in things that are going to last forever. You think about 20, 40, 60, 80, 90 years, a long time, amen? Agree or disagree? But what about eternity? Hello? That's even much longer. That's, that's no ending, eternity. No, there's no ending. That's over and over and over for years and come. We will spend longer in eternity than we will upon our earth. But you think that people begin to realize that, begin to make some different decisions in their life by the grace of God. Then in, in the scripture where it talks about here, in the, um, in the book of Isaiah, it talks about those who trust in idols who say, you are our God will be turned away in shame. When you start putting things before God. You know, we can, you know, we can worship our family and become an idol to us. You believe that? We can worship our, our children, our worship our cars, we can worship our property, things that we have we have worked for. They can become an idol to us. Our money. Look at the young rich ruler. The reason why he couldn't why he couldn't spend eternity with God, with Jesus, because of his, his money had become an idol to him. He had more respect for his money than he had, 
different anything. And that's what happened to people. People can get so caught up in, in things or whatever. We can worship our husbands, our wives, or whatever. Well, what do you mean worship them? In other words, that's your life. You spend all your time worshiping them, making sure they got everything they need. There's nothing wrong with pampering your husband, pampering your wife. But listen to me, you don't want to put them before God. When they call you right there, every beck and call you right there. There's, there's nothing wrong with being able to be there. But guess what? You want to have to check your heart, check your heart and see where you are. Have they became your God? We, we, you know, we work all week long. When come to church, come to Sunday, we're going to clean house all day long. Nothing wrong clean the house. But it doesn't have, does it have to be on Sunday. No. We, guess what? Got those cars, and which is nice and everything, but guess what? On Sunday, we rub them down with wax and all types of stuff. If you ever notice the news, just notice this sometime when you get a chance. Look how many people, how many accidents happen between 10 o'clock on a Sunday and 12 noon on a Sunday evening. How many people lose their lives between that time? Foolishness. If they had been in a place of worship, worshiping God during that time instead of doing what they were doing, they perhaps would not have lost their life. And that's why it's important. It's really to check your heart to make sure that you got the right things, the first thing first, and last thing last. And make sure that God is always first in your life. If you do that, guess what? That's why he says, seek ye first. Matthew 6.33 says, if you seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, everything else is going to be what? It's going to be added to you. It's coming. You don't have to look for it. He said it will be added. That's a promise. But that's a conditional scripture, though. You got to do what? You got to do your part. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then if you do that, he said all these other things will be added to you. It's coming. So you got to beg for them or look for them or work for them or whatever. They're coming by the grace of God. Um, Psalm 25, 2. We're coming to a close. We're not going to be much longer. Amen. Psalm 25, 2. The reason why we give you these scriptures because we want you to take notes and go back and look at these scriptures and, and read over because it has a lot of meat here. A lot of things that God is speaking to us as a, as a people by the grace of God. He said, I trust in you, O oh my, oh my God. I will not be what? Be disappointed. My enemy will not laugh at me. How many friends do we have that laugh at us? Laughing at us even right now. Because of where they are compared to where you are. Laughing at us. No one who trusts in you will be what? You won't be disappointed. I'm telling you. He said you will, never, you will not be disappointed. But disappointment will come to those who try to deceive others. They will get nothing. Absolutely. So even though it looks like it's crazy to you, if you continue to keep doing what you're doing for God, I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. I can look back over my life, and, and many of you can too, say, guess what, God? I can say this for sure. I will never be disappointed by the grace of God. Amen? Um. One other scripture, then we'll get into some promises you need to remember. Um, Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse, and verse uh, 15. 
these are my Old Testament scriptures. Another good one here. It said, for the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and disperse the armies of your enemies. And the Lord himself, the king of Israel, will live among you. At last, your troubles will be over. You will fear no more. Amen? How many this morning want their troubles to be over? Can, that, can, you, can your trouble be over? Yes, they can. They can stop. People say, well, they want, it's not going to stop. Yes, it can stop. There's nothing going on that cannot be changed. It can be changed by the grace of God. If you pray and trust God and depend upon God's word, it can change. It can change. Anything can change. It can change by the grace of God. These are some promises. I'm going to share some promises with you that you need to remember and hold on to. I shared two last week with you. I'm going to share some more, a few more today with you. Last week I shared with you fear. Fear not. Um, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 is down on the overhead. And, um, and also worry. These are two things that you always deal with when you encounter a situation. Whenever you get hit with a new situation, something that you're not sure about, even when it comes to a test in schools or whatever, the first thing that comes to your mind is fear. Am I going to pass this? Am I going to flunk this? I never give when I was going through school up in Maryland. They, when, we, when we first entered advanced, uh, advanced school for, for NCOs and everything, they told us certain classes were mandatory and certain ones you have to pass in order to be able to pass the course. And every time we got to that class, what they said was mandatory that you have to pass, fear tried to come in. One was nuclear, biological, chemical, NBC. That was a big class, and that was a, that was a tough class. And right before I got ready to take the test, man, the fears tried to grip a hold of me. But instead of eating that day, I went to my room and just prayed and talked to God about it. And by the grace of God, I was able to pass that class. But fear will come. But when fear comes, you got to be able to know, so guess what? This is not of God. Because when fear grips you, you can't think. Really, you be, it's almost paralyzed you, really. What you do know, you stop thinking about what you do know. Start thinking about what you don't know, what's not going to happen versus what's, what could be happening, unfortunately. Fortunately, by the grace of God. But guess what? That's what fear would do to you. It paralyzes you. Whenever you get hit with it, when you go to the, to the doctor or whatever, and you get a diagnosis or whatever, if you're not careful, fear will grip you. Because when they start telling you about what is happening based upon your genealogies or whatever, if your grandmother had it, your mama had it, your daddy had it, then you're going to have it. Depends on what that is. Fear can grip you. But guess what? Guess what? I got good news for you. The Bible said in the book of, the, book of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17. 5.17. If we will, um, put that on over here if you will. 2 Corinthians 5.17. These are good scriptures to remember. I'm telling you. You can take them to the bank. He said, this means that for any, any, of, you, any of you who are in, in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. What? What passed away? What things passed away? So that means if you're in Christ, you break that genealogy that took place, high blood pressure, diabetes, and all that stuff like that. You break, you break, according to the scripture here, is that right? 
That scripture said what? Old things are what? And behold, behold what? You got a new DNA now, which is Jesus by the grace of God. And they will tell you that, you know, just because they had it, you're going to have it. And you can't, you can't believe that. You can't accept that. Now, you accept that, that's on you. But I'm telling you from God's word, that don't have to happen by the grace of God. The Bible said life and death is in the power of the tongue. When you start saying, start thinking that and believing that, guess what? You don't have to die at a young age. Psalm 91, 15, 17, last verse in Psalm 91, he said, well, long life would I satisfy you. You got to believe that, I'm telling you. Well, all this stuff that's going on, and the reason what took so many people out during the pandemic, not only the pandemic, because of fear. People became afraid, became fearful because of all those things they said. If you had this, then your chances of survival were, were less than. And that's fear. But you got to know, guess what? A thousand shall fall by thy side and 10,000 at the right hand, but guess what? It shall not come nigh me by the grace of God. That's, that's good to say, but you need to know that by the grace of God. Amen? By the grace of God. Amen? Promises you need to remember. This is another good one here. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 17. He said, I will bring your health back. Look at your neighbor and say, I'll bring your health back and heal your wound, says the Lord. Because, because other people said, you're an outcast. You're an outcast. They said, no one cares about Zion. No one cares about you. I'm telling you, God can do it. If you have decided based upon the condition that you have medically right now, that can be reversed. Look at your neighbor and say, that can be reversed. Based upon God's word. God can restore you. Only thing you got to do is say, God, you know, I repent of that thought pattern I had about this. I didn't know any better, but now I can do better. Guess what? God can restore you, amen? Anything can be reversed, amen? All things are possible. That's another good scripture to me. Remember, everything is possible. Possible to who? To them that believe. If you have the faith to believe it, you can receive it. Nothing is impossible. The legs, the arms, the minds, the toes, brains, and all the kidneys and everything is in the kingdom of God. You believe that? They're there. And they can be restored by the grace of God. You don't have to die on, live off of dialysis. You don't want to. A lot of people say, well, you know, this is it. No, it's not it. That's it if you believe it's it. But guess what? What did God say? He said, I will bring your health back. He would do what? He will bring your health back and heal your wounds by the grace of God. It does not matter how long it's been there. God said what? He'll bring it back. If he said he'd bring it back, you think he can do it? Another good scripture, remember, 1 John chapter 5, and verse 17, verse 14. When you pray, God hears you. Amen? He hears you when you pray. He said, this is the confidence we, excuse me, we have in him, 
that we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Amen. He does what? You heard people say, if it be thy will. Only reason not God's will is something totally contrary. If you're praying and asking God to give you, to asking God to give you somebody else's car, that's not God's will. Amen? That's not God's will. God wants you to have your own. He don't want you to take somebody else. He wants to give you what belongs to you. Those are the type of things that God will not hear. But if you, if you saying and speaking God's word, if you believe in God for something and doing your part, he said he hears you. He hears you. So that's a promise that you can always um, adhere to. Then St. John chapter 15, verse 7. He said, if you abide in me, that's another condition of scripture. St. John 15, 7, they're going to put it on over here. These are, these are very good scriptures you remember. Because when you get into a situation, you can't think you're abiding in him. You got to know you're abiding in him. Because the devil going to tell you, guess what? Ain't no hope. You're done. You're doomed. You can forget it. You're finished. It's over. And he'll start showing you different things to make you think that you're finished. Putting these different thoughts in your mind. Start fabricating all these pictures in your mind. And I'm telling you, you're going to see these things. I'm telling you, you're going to see them. But you got to believe and know in your heart. Guess what? Not so, devil. In Jesus' name, it's not going to happen to me. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you should ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. St. John 15, 7. St. John 15, 7. And that's why it's so important is to be able to know. I'm going to give you two more, then I'm going to get ready to close out. Well, three more, three more. Um, God will never disappoint you. He will never. Now, what do you mean? Well, what, what about if I prayed for someone, people I prayed for, and, and they end up passing on? Let me share something with you about that. What you don't know is what's in that person's heart. You know what they're telling you, but you don't know the heart. And people, you know, we have a tendency to tell you what we want you to hear, not really how we really feel many times. And people get tired and they quit and they give up. And when they get tired and they quit and they give up, there's nothing you can do. They're not, they may tell you and they may not tell you that they're tired and they quit and they're ready to give up. And that's why it's important. But if they believe and you believe and you agree on the situation, it can happen. Why, why would you say it, Pastor John? Because I'm, I experienced it for myself. When I was dealing with all the stuff, I was dealing with sickness and whatever. Um, there were days I felt like giving up, felt like quitting. But I didn't give up. I didn't quit. But I could have gave up and quit because... What I was feeling, it was just overwhelming pain. It was just too, it's just, it was just amazing really to be able to, be able to describe. Well, everything in my body hurt to include my eyes. Pain all over. And to be in that excruciating pain, and then on top of that, there was nothing I could take 
for this particular pain we're dealing with. Nothing I could take. It was just excruciating. This wasn't like one hour. This went on for days in this condition. And if you're not really in the right frame of mind, those are the type of things. When people say they quit and give up, I can understand that. At first, I couldn't understand that at first, but I can understand it now because things can get so overwhelming to the point where you say, hey, it's easy for me to transition and to stay. And that's why it's so important that you have to know what's in that person's heart. When everybody, when a person gets sick, it's obviously we all want to be healed. But you know and I know that everybody's not always healed. But that just depends on that person's heart. And, and, and man is, God is not like man. What man look at our appearance, God look at the heart. And God sees what's best for them and he sees best for the family. And so in the ultimate, the decision, final decision, it made up to the individual. See, can't nobody kill you. I'm saying some stuff now, people think I'm crazy. The reason you die because you want to die. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? He told Pilate, he said, Pilate said, I have the power to take your life. Jesus told Pilate, said, you can't take my life. I lay my life down. And that's what happened to people. When you get tired and you quit and you surrender, that's when you go to be with Jesus. That's what happened to a lot of people when they get sick. And illness comes, whatever. They give up, they quit, they go to spend eternity with God. If they have accepted Jesus. If not, then they'd be eternally separated from God. But we hope and pray that they, nobody in our family will be eternally separated from God. Amen. God will never disappoint you or shame you. Romans chapter, I'll share this with you. Let me give you another scripture. Romans chapter 10 and verse 11. Over here. 10, 11. Romans. Amplify. So no man who believes in him, who adheres to or relies on or trusts in him, will what? Will ever be what? Will be put to shame. Will never be put to shame. Put to shame or be disappointed. Man, that's some strong words there, amen? Never be put to shame or disappointed. Never, never. So that's a promise God is making to you. You'll never be put to shame or you'll never be disappointed if you trust him. You can't, you can't do no an, an average man like that today, a woman today, put that kind of trust in. <laughs> if you do, you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you do. There's another good scripture to remember. Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, chapter we were reading from earlier. Joel 2.25. God can restore time. Look at your neighbors at time. And years of losses. He can do it. He can restore the years of time and losses. He said, I restore what? The years that the locust has eaten and the canker worms and the caterpillars, and the palmer worm, my great army, which we basically have sent among you. He can, re he, can re he can replace that. I know you're looking back at your life now and probably thinking some things, man, it sure be nice to get replaced.
But remember, God don't replace. He does what? He restores. He restores. And he restores always what? It's always better. Because you replace something that looks pretty much identical to what you had. But he restores. It's always better than what you had. By the grace of God. Last promise. God promised to be with you. Even when you're going through life, when things get tough, you don't have to deal with life only by yourself if you choose not to. Because I'm telling you, if a man and woman knew the day when they were born some of the things they would have to deal with in life, they'd probably give up early on. But guess what? God promised to be with you. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, I'll give you the scripture, I'll give it to you again. He promised to be with you, always. When you're dealing with negative situations, guess what? God promised to be with you. You don't have to give up. Don't have to quit. And these are things that you need to hold on to, embrace, so when you get into a situation, you can have something referred to. You can have something you can look back on. Have something you can hold on to. Because I'm telling you, when trouble comes, they're not going to send you a text message. You're not going to get a phone call. You're not going to get a, a, a letter in the mail. It's just going to show up and start happening. And you've got to deal with the consequences of it. And that's why you need to be able to be, be infused with God's word so when this stuff starts happening to you, you'll be able to come, come back against it. Because I can say that day when they... When I went to the hospital that morning, to me it was a, was a normal day, a normal routine. You know, I've been in the hospital before. But when I got to the emergency room that morning, they told me, say, hey, you need to get to the emergency room and go now. Or can, you, can you drive yourself? And I felt fine. I felt completely okay. There was nothing wrong. And during that time, I just couldn't get my temperature regulated. One minute my temperature was 98 point whatever the norm, and next next 30 minutes was 102, 103 or whatever. Just couldn't get regulated. I thought it was pretty, something simple, pretty much. But didn't realize what I was being faced with and what I was dealing with by the grace of God. And so if I had not been ready for that at that time, that was enough to take me out. But thank God for, thank God for his word, amen. That's why you got to be able to stand on God's promises. Amen. Definitely getting ready to play. And I'm going to go and change over and get ready to baptize in a minute. But before we go this morning, anybody who ever not accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior want to give your life to Christ this morning, we want to leave without giving you an opportunity to do so. What I mean by that? Believe in your heart. Say, Lord, I ask you to come into my life and say, it's not about giving your hands to the preacher. It's about asking, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God had raised Jesus from the, from the dead. The Bible said thou should be saved. Amen. Going to church, putting your church name, name on church roll is not going to save you. Doing good deeds is not going to save you. You've got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, God has raised him from the dead. You should be saved. Amen. Even this morning, baptism, people believe that baptism is the Savior. There's no salvation in that water. You go down that water center, and you come out that water wet center. There's no baptism, there's no salvation in that water. 
you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then as a result of being accepting Jesus your Lord, that's when you're baptized. And baptism means that to show your death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. In other words, mean when you go in and you step in that tub, that means now you're stepping into a new life. And then when you go down that water, it symbolically represents the old life that you had are now being buried with Christ with that water. Water symbolically represents the grave. And then when you come out that water, symbolically represents you're now being resurrected into a new life now. Now you have a new life. Amen? Then it's up to you to change and start listening to the Holy Spirit, renew your mind so you can experience the good things that God has for you by the grace of God. Amen. Okay, this time we're going to get ready. Anybody want to accept Christ? Anybody? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Anybody? Nobody looking around by the grace of God? Anybody want to accept Christ? Have not accepted Christ? Want to accept him as their Lord and their Savior? This is your opportunity. Amen. Anybody want to rededicate their life to Christ this morning? Anybody? And give you that opportunity. Again, you're not dedicating to me. You're dedicating your life to Christ by the grace of God. Amen? Anybody? No response? It's still a response.